This is the Voice of Business, a podcast from the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce, sponsored by Worcester Regional Airport, in partnership with the Telegram and Gazette. I'm Dave Nordman, Executive Editor of the Telegram and Gazette, joined as we are every Monday by Tim Murray, CEO and President of the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce. Welcome, Tim. Good, Dave. It's uh, great to be here, and I want to thank our sponsors who make the show happen, Worcester Regional Airport, as well as Fidelity Bank, uh, all done in partnership with uh, the Telegram and Gazette. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, big news, uh, the big news um, out of the State House today and in Boston is um, is Governor Charlie Baker's uh, announcing his, uh, I guess what he's calling a four-phase reopening um, of the state's businesses. So my question to you is, uh, have you had time to sort of interpret the f- phases and uh, and what does it mean for businesses in central Massachusetts? Yeah, just literally uh, before I came over to the Telegram to, to with you to tape the show, we were just rereading some of the various uh, reading some of the various news outlets reporting on what the governor announced uh, today at his uh, daily press conference. Uh, and basically, he just laid out the framework under which we will be reopening things here in Massachusetts. And uh, one of that is beginning you know, with the start. Uh, literally, the, it's, the four phases are called start. Why wouldn't it be, right? Right. Number one is start. Number two is cautious. Three is vigilant. And then four is the new normal. And, and start would be allowing businesses to open, but with severe uh, restrictions. And we've seen that. In a few industries that were allowed to to stay open, in terms of you know whether it be curbside only, um, you know uh, the golf got a lot of attention recently. People are allowed to golf, but there's no carts, no okay. bathrooms. Grocery stores having a limited number of um, uh, people in the stores at one time. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, we've seen businesses. So we have some some semblance of an understanding of what those severe restrictions would be that with businesses that are allowed to to start. Um, the second phase is cautious, you know, allowing certain businesses and others to open up with, with restrictions. Three, I, I think, is vigilant, you know, having uh, businesses remain open all the while monitoring the various data from, from the health professionals as it relates to new cases and hospitalizations. And then the new normal, which is what does things look like with a, with a vaccine uh, and a cure. And uh, Lieutenant Governor Polito was a part of the governor's presentation today. And just last week on May 7th, a number of uh, the larger chambers across the state had a chance to do a Zoom conference call with the Lieutenant Governor, uh, Secretary of Economic Housing and Economic Development, Mike Keneally, and m- members of the Governor's Reopening Advisory Board, which the Lieutenant Governor chairs, to talk about some of the feedback that we've gotten from our members and businesses throughout the region. And we presented that in the slide deck with several other chambers. So, you know, the conversation's moving in earnest, and I think we're starting to see some movement. Uh, talk about some of that feedback. Yeah, well, I mean, just let's take the restaurants, for example. They've gotten a lot of attention and, and, and been really adversely impacted by this. But uh, uh, Jen Tolan did an article in the Telegram about it, a very good article, talked to a range of, of, of business owners, uh, restaurateurs. But, you know, for example, if there's a restaurant that has a 100-seat uh, capacity, uh, hypothetically allowing them to open up but at 25% capacity and contingent upon Employees wearing masks, cleaning, um, uh, six foot six feet apart between tables, limiting the size of the tables. Those are all things that 
are, are likely to be part of of, 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 of of a reopening as it pertains to the restaurant industry. Uh, similar to, as we mentioned, some of the restrictions and distancing requirements that have been put on certain retail stores that have allowed to stay open. Yeah, and then uh, obviously uh, the one thing that's not clear is uh, what the governor plans in each one of these is phases. And those those questions you must already be getting from businesses to say, like, where where do we fit into all of this? Yeah, and then there are things like if there's going to be, you know, cleaning required, uh, you know, access to personal protective equipment. Again, a major challenge. I was uh, on the phone earlier today with a former CIA officer who's now working with companies trying to help source uh, personal protective equipment from across the globe and facilitating them getting it into the country because we've seen this crazy competition between states and the federal government. So that is a real concern. If you're a small restaurant or a small business and you're looking to make sure that it's interfacing with the public and you want to put shields and, and the face shields up, uh, you know, uh, but you also want to make sure you've got masks, where do you get them? Are they the right kind? Can you uh, make sure that there's a steady supply? All fair questions that need to be, be answered uh, if, if businesses are going to reopen up in, in a way that um, they can stay consistently open. Because, again, the last thing you want to do is open and then have to close because you can't find masks. Right. And, uh, and one of the reasons we're even talking about this is the, uh, the prolonged drop in the number of cases. And we'll take a, take a quick break and we'll, uh, we'll come right back and talk about that and a few other things. Subscribe to Telegram.com to stay up to date on your business news from in and around central Massachusetts and have that news delivered to your inbox every day by subscribing to our Business at Noon newsletter. Worcester is growing, and so is Telegram.com. Okay, we're back. Um, Tim, um, a couple of the loan programs that we've talked about for the last several weeks, uh, both at the state uh, and the local level, uh, talk us, uh, talk to us about those and uh, deadlines, where they stand, and uh, what information you can give to to business people and and others. Well, as we mentioned, kind of some of the loans and, and banks reminded me to again thank our sponsors. Uh, Worcester Regional Airport and Fidelity Bank, who are sponsoring uh, our Voice of Business uh, radio show. And uh, again, would not happen but for their support and the partnership that we have with you, Dave, and the Telegram. A, a number of programs uh, out there since the, the coronavirus hit and the Federal CARES Act. Right now, the second round of funding is still uh, available. People still have access to the federal program, the, the Paycheck Protection Plan. Uh, we encourage people, if they have not already, and maybe initially decide to forego applying for this federal program. Uh, if they haven't, maybe want to revisit the idea of applying for it, they should be in contact with their lenders. A number of banks and some credit unions are SBA lenders, and uh, they're the ones who could best guide you through this process, handle your application, and submit it to the portal. So the Paycheck Protection Plan is still out there, and as we expect through the announcement of these programs from the beginning, there are going to be changes and modifications to these programs as it goes forward. Uh, the uh, SBA Office of Inspector General just came out with some 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 things which may be potentially, if adopted uh, by, by, by Congress and others, could be beneficial to people who have access to Paycheck Protection Plan funding. Yeah, I mean, you talk about how 
how things are changing, you know, weekly, but they're changing daily. It's just new information is coming out all the time when it comes to these loan programs. That's right. Uh, and just yesterday, in fact, the SBA announced changes to the uh, economic injury disaster loan and the advance that is a part of that program as a new eligibility requirements uh, and uh, only agriculture. No, right now, only applications from agricultural related businesses are being accepted. And uh, furthermore, the SBA is also put a loan limit. Uh, 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 used to be $2 million uh, loan limits under the economic disaster injury loan. Now it's been reduced down to 150000 because money's running short in that program. And those are the two programs that the federal government uh, put together through the Congress and Senate signed by uh, the president that uh, provide assistance, the Paycheck Protection Plan and the Economic Disaster Injury Loan in advance. And then there have been some programs here locally. For a very short period of time, the state put put the Mass Growth Capital Corporation loans out, uh, the $10 million. That's been the only real uh, loan program to date that the state has offered. But the city of Worcester, to their credit, used some of the federal block grant money that had flexibility that came from the CARES Act and put together a, a small business resiliency grant program. City Manager Augustus, the mayor, and the Economic Development Office, with the support of the council, uh, put together this micro-grant program, and providing initially in the first uh, couple of rounds grants of five to $10,000. And then the most recent grant round was closed this past Friday. Uh, 130 grants will be given. That's up to 5000 so the amount has changed. But that's an extremely important program, helping many of our small businesses. And uh, we, we, we give the city credit for putting this program together, but I want to remind our listeners that, uh, you know, approximately to date, 300, 300 plus businesses have been able to take advantage of it. And it's going to be hugely important. And again, credit to the, the city manager, the, the economic development office, and others uh, for putting this together program. But I want to just let our listeners know that there are approximately 9,800 businesses in the city of Worcester. So when you think about 300, 350 people have been able to access this program, as important as it is, there's a lot of other businesses out there that are, are, did not have access for various reasons and are, are, are going to be stressed even if they did access some of the federal programs. So, so some challenges out there. And then lastly, about a week, a little over a week ago, the Massachusetts State Treasurer, Deb Goldberg, uh, created a program that's very similar to the Worcester program. It's a grant program, uh, and that's being uh, from, from the state treasurer's Office of Economic Empowerment, and those are grants up to $2,500 that are focused on Gateway City. So if someone's interested in that program, learning about it and applying for it, they go, go to mass.gov, uh, Office of Economic Empowerment, uh, the Treasurer and Receiver's Office, uh, the, uh, the Massachusetts Treasurer and Receiver's Office, and learn how to apply for that program. Uh, hold that thought for one second. I, I do want to ask you about the Chamber webinar series. Uh, you've got a couple of interesting uh, webinars coming up this week, um, and, uh, and we'll do that in one second. As the voice of local business, the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce works hard to foster a dynamic environment of entrepreneurship and economic success. Our members benefit from a broad portfolio of services, including advocacy, economic development activity, and programming efforts. Is your business a member? Check out more at WorcesterChamber.org or on social media at Worcester Chamber. Okay, we're back. Um, the Chamber webinar series, um, looking at the Chamber email that came out, um, I think it came out today, 
a couple of very interesting and, as you say, can't miss uh, webinars for chamber and I assume non-chamber members. One is how to prepare workspaces uh, for when um, when restrictions do you know loosen up and people do return to work. Yeah, we, we've got a couple of seminars cleaning uh, uh, office space. You know what's going to be required, and it was talked about today. And some of the uh, early material that's come out of the governor's uh, reopening advisory board. But you know, talking about uh, six foot distancing, uh, regular cleaning and disinfecting in offices, uh, masks, training and protocols for employees. Uh, at different work sites when people return back to work. So there's going to be a lot of detail, a lot of responsibility that employers are, are going to need to uh, understand or find expertise. And so the, ch- the chamber has, we put together a whole series of webinars, COVID-19 webinars, uh, and we want to thank Fallon Health. They're sponsoring this program. When we started the year, no one knew about COVID-19 in terms of the impact that it was going to have. Uh, it has completely changed how we're delivering some of our services at the chamber, and we put the whole host of programming that is relevant to the response to this crisis, not just for our members, but we've opened up our chamber services to all businesses to help them during this crisis. And uh, these webinars have been very well, but the level of participation is extremely high. I think we already got 70 people uh, participating via uh, this Zoom conference on this uh, on, on at least one of these this week. So that uh, that one I mentioned is uh, is uh, two p.m. on Tuesday, and then there's uh, there's one coming up on Wednesday, which is uh, again interesting to me. Managing existing and future uh, contracts, um, you know, it's just so much changing out there. But um, that that's just another one that's of relevance to a lot of people. Right, and again, if you're a business out there, particularly our small and medium sized businesses, I mean, there's a whole legal ramifications to this COVID nineteen crisis. There's the health issues and operations protocols that you're going to have to have an understanding of, the chamber can help you navigate through that process. And so as we've said from the beginning, Dave, we've opened up our services. If people want, you know, go on WorcesterChamber.org, they can call us at 508-753-2924 if they've got questions, info at WorcesterChamber.org. And again, we're putting out almost daily email, special edition email with Fallon support, along with our webinar series of timely information on this fast-changing situation. And one last thing I want to ask you about was the uh, the chamber and uh, uh, the uh, government affairs and public policy uh, guru, Alex uh, Guardiola, came out with a statement uh, which was uh, put before, uh, before the school committee in support of uh, Superintendent Benendez's uh, efforts to uh, to uh, hold um, teachers and students uh, accountable in the remote learning process. Just talk about that. Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, first to, to, to say that, you know, the, the Worcester Chamber's got a long history, like many business groups, of supporting uh, issues around education, including funding for education. I mean, the Education Reform Act of 1993, the Student Opportunity Act of 2019, all enjoyed and would not have passed but for the partnership with the business community. In fact, the Ed Reform of 1993, some of the ideas around that, you know, came from from some key leaders in the business community in Worcester. Uh, and again, the chamber active in that. And whether it be the Alliance for Vogue Tech Ed, whether it be funding that we've advocated for at the state house or locally, or businesses who they're charitable and philanthropic giving, believe in education yeah. because it's economic opportunity. I mean, clearly the business community is has a vested interest in, in the education of, of the citizens. Good. So, it's about our yeah, economy. It's about absolutely. innovation. And, and basically with the chamber, we wanted to come out in support of Superintendent Benenda. Uh, 
you know, the COVID-19 is impacted and the vast majority of our teachers are doing a great job uh, moving to this transition. But we think, you know, it was a reasonable request by, by the, the superintendent to uh, ask that there be uh, basic, you know, logs of activity and, and, and with, as it relates with student engagement and other things. And so we thought that was a fair and reasonable thing and, and it warranted some support. And it's not uncommon for us from time to time to, to weigh in on, on these issues because we're regularly involved in advocating for funding and programs that we think are good for students, teachers, educators, and the business community. Yeah, it's just a uh, just an example of of everybody kind of swimming in the right direction, but in this case, uh, kind of uh, I guess formalizing that uh, that cooperation. That's right. That's what we're we're, we're trying to do. So, um, well, I can't I can't uh, thank you enough. It, it was another great uh, great Monday of uh, lots of information talking about the different grant programs. Um, you know, some news uh, and. Um, and of course, the governor's uh, four-step program. What are those steps again, Tim? We've got the start, number one, number two, cautious, number three, vigilant, four, new normal. I know we're all looking forward to May 18th uh, to see uh, see what the path to that new normal uh, looks like. Having that game plan will be helpful. Great. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. You've been listening to The Voice of Business, a podcast from the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce, sponsored by Worcester Regional Airport, in partnership with the Telegram and Gazette. Thank you.